This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. She rolled my hair with my lipstick on, in a glass of purple Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me here on this lovely Friday morning. Uh, I am Lisa McDonald. This is my host show, Carpe Diem, with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Uh, This has been a long-awaited interview conversation with Roseanne Stewart, who is mother and manager to the infamously known Madeline Stewart, and uh, household name, but for the sake of making sure that everybody is aware of the background of my guest, I'm just going to plug a little bit of bio information before turning it over to unscripted dialogue, as I always do. So what can I tell you about Madeline Stewart? Well... Madeline, with her fresh-faced, flame-haired natural beauty, Madeline has modeled in New York Fashion Week and walked the catwalk there for autoimmune awareness. She has featured in leading publications Vogue, Cosmopolitan, Paper, Woman's Day, Woman's Weekly, Elle, Mary Claire, People, and Clio, to name a few. Madeline has featured in over 10,000 articles and news stories across the globe and over 500,000 mentions on Google. In recent months, Madeline has been placed in the top 10 atypical models around the world alongside Winnie Harlow, Ashley Graham, and Tess Holliday. She has also been called the world's first supermodel with Down syndrome by other social media outlets around the world. Madeline has been nominated for the Pride of Australia and Young Australian of the Year Award. Additionally, she was awarded the prestigious 2015 Model of the Year Award at International Fashion Show Melange in San Francisco, whose partners include Jean-Paul Gaultier, Sephora, and Nicole Miller. On her current trip to America, Madeline received the Culture City Advocacy Award for her advocacy work in Uganda for people living with disability. In 2016, Madeline headlined the Caspian Fashion Week in Russia, made her stage debut in London as part of the Culture Device Dance Project, went to Uganda to advocate for people living with Down syndrome, and is currently a celebrity guest on the third mission possible cruise for developmental disability. Later this year, Madeline will head to America for a series of events and television appearances. Madeline and her mom, Roseanne, are in final negotiations to sign a development deal in America, and a production company in Eastern Europe are shooting a documentary on this extraordinary young woman. She has also just been announced as the headline model for Runway Dubai in November. Madeline possesses confidence and is an incredible modern-day relevant role model in today's fast-changing society. Additionally, her friendly, warm, and thoughtful nature makes her immediately relatable. She has over 143,000 Instagram followers and over 617,000 Facebook users. So, Roseanne, oh my goodness, you've been busy. How are you? Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lisa. So, how are you? We're really well. (laughs) Good. Well, a little bit tired, actually. We just finished packing to head off again. 
Um, but yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind in the last 15 months. We haven't stopped very much at all. We've been on the road and I think we've been home for about 12 weeks in the last 15 months. So it's been pretty busy. What an incredible pace. But uh, obviously the momentum is going really well. And uh, I really wanted to have Madeline uh, and you on my radio show today because my show is all about living fearlessly, relinquishing fear, embracing passion, uh, and really stepping into your greatness. And clearly, both of you as a package deal have aspired to do that. Uh, so clearly inspirational, clearly motivational, you know, turning and changing the face of what people would stereotypically uh, regard as modeling or being in the spotlight or fashion. And as somebody who's worked with differently abled individuals and lived with people for three and a half years with an agency called Community Living, uh, which is all about, you know, inclusiveness and uh, visibility, I just want to say Thank you so much for everything that you're doing, for what Madeline's doing. I think it's an important message, and it's resonating, obviously, at the global scale. Uh, so kudos to you. I mean, what a fantastic mom you are to, to be passionately taking on this endeavor with your child for something you so clearly believe in and have gotten behind 100%. So good for you, Roseanne. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So, you know, why don't you, why don't you enlighten us, you know, the – the inception, and that's Madeline in the background, everyone. Hey, Madeline. Madeline's got the flu at the moment, so oh. she's not a very happy person. You'll hear her coughing a little bit. I'm sorry about that, but, yeah, no. she's a little bit grumpy today, to say the least, but um, she's not the best because I had the flu, and I've just got over it, and oh. now she's got it, which we like to share everything. <laughs> Clearly. Well, no apologies are necessary. I mean, this is real life, people. You know, it's not just what you glean on the magazine covers or what you hear in interviews or read in magazines. This is real life. Madeline's a real person. And so I really appreciate the authenticity behind the scenes here with what's going on in our radio show. So why don't you maybe bring us up to speed, maybe going back to the beginning of the inception of Madeline's journey and how this all came to be at the beginning. How did this all come about, Roseanne? Um, March, the year before last, um, Madeline had, was 50 pounds heavier or 20 kilos, about 40, 44, 45 pounds heavier. I'm a little bit confused with the difference, but anyway, she was 20 kilos heavier and um, she was dancing with all her friends and um, she came out to me and she couldn't keep up. It was the middle of summer and it was hot and she said to me, Mum, and she started to cry. And I said, darling, can't you keep up? She went, no. And I said, well, you're going to have to get fitter, you know, if, if you want to be able to, because a lot of the kids in her dance class um, have autism and things like that. So they don't have as much of a weight problem as what is very common with people with Down syndrome. So we, she decided that's what she wanted to do. And, you know, she put her mind to it and she started to lose weight. And we just got rid of all the junk food out of the house. And, in August that year, we went to a fashion show, and she said to me, Mum, me model, and she wanted to get up on the catwalk. And I said, well, if you want to model, you're going to have to get even fitter. So uh -huh. that's what she did. She had a mindset on it. So she just lost weight, and she kept doing her sport. And then in May, the following, no, April the following year, we got some photos taken, and um, then I made up a public figure profile for her on Facebook because she did look really amazing and I knew she would stand out and um, I was so proud of her because she'd just done so well and she had worked so hard. Like she would go to the pool every afternoon and swim 
25 laps of the pool, 50-meter pool, and she'd go to the gym every day and work out, and she was doing six sports a week. So she was working really hard. This didn't come easy to her because she is quite short, and also she has a slow metabolism. So um, I put the photos up, and they just went completely viral. I mean, she had a couple hundred thousand followers within the first month, and one night she got over 100,000 followers in one night. So it just went completely off the charts. So, and from there, we just started, people started ringing us up and asking us to work for them, and that's what we did. It's it's just, and then she did Fashion Week, New York Fashion Week last September, and then she did New York Fashion Week this February, and um, we're just actually in talks with someone at the moment to probably be doing it this September as well. So it's just, it just keeps going. Fantastic. Well, congratulations to you both. I mean, that obviously requires a lot of investment, a lot of commitment, a lot of perseverance and tenacity, particularly when things like the flu arise or just the fatigue that's attached to your ongoing schedule. Um, and it's my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, there's two new contracts that have been landed. Is that is that right? American We're in talks with contracts with them. Okay. Um, no, no, that, that manifesto you're talking about happened in the beginning. Okay. So when she first started, Manifestors came on board and asked us to do a photo shoot with them, which went completely viral, mm-hmm. um, and wanted to work with us again. But after it went viral, their workload increased by 75%, and they've never done any more advertising since. <laughs> <laughs> They're waiting to get slow again so that they can do some more advertising. But it was a small company, and it just went completely global. So... Um, we contacted them and said, look, what are we doing next? And they said, we can't keep up with the orders. We're so far behind. We've just grown by 75% in a matter of a week. So they're um, still trying to get on top of it, I believe. And the other one you're going to ask me about is Evermeyer, the handbag company. Yes. Is that correct? Yes, it is. So Evermeyer was back in the beginning as well. And we were with them for quite a while. Um, and they were a handbag accessories company. And they did a photo shoot with Madeline that went viral again and ended up on Good Morning America and all sorts of things. And then they wanted to make handbag in Madeline's honour, which is called the Madeline, which they still sell. Um, but that was, we did that quite a few months ago and now we've stepped away because other things are coming up. So we're just growing, I suppose. You know, things that you have to continually move in this industry if you want to yes, keep going. So... And talking about going back to what you said before about, you know, it's a real job and things like that, it's funny you say that because we did a photo shoot with Madeline's boyfriend um, back in uh, February this year for Valentine's Day. It was so funny because we went down to the local theme park and we arrived in the morning and Madeline got her hair and makeup done and we went out and we started photo shooting, doing the photo shoot and they worked all day. And then at the end of the day, we got in the car and went back. And he said to me, we didn't go on any rides. And I said, honey, you were working. He said, but but, but we didn't go on any rides. I said, well, what did you think was going to happen? And he said, I thought we'd go to the theme park and go on some rides and have some fun today. And she said, we didn't even go on a ride beforehand. I said, but, but you had her hair and makeup down. How can you go on a ride at a theme park with your hair and makeup done? He said, it's really hard work what you're doing. I said, I told you that. It's not as glamorous as people think you know she's working for eight ten hours a day and it's hard work you know we get home to our hotel room in the evening and we basically are exhausted you know we just you know we just came back to America um two weeks ago and we hit Birmingham and then we've um come to New York and we're leaving New York today to head to Boston to do a show and from there we're going to LA to do a, a few things and then we're going to Ohio to do the buddy walk 
We go back to LA for a couple of days to do some more things, and then we're heading to San Francisco to do another show, and then we're going to LA to do more work, and then we're coming to New York Fashion Week if this contract goes through, and then we finally get to head home after another seven weeks. So, you know, every day is go, go, go. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, very important. And I know it's hard to find the time within that kind of rigorous schedule that's continuously ramped up and ongoing in nature. Uh, but clearly, you've got to take care of yourself because, I mean, that's a lot of flying. It's a lot of time zones. It's a lot of different things that uh, can really hit the body hard. So I wish you nothing but health with that and, um, you know, sending all my positive and healing energies for that because that's going to drain you. Uh, no doubt. <laughs> yep. um, Thank you, Lisa. And you you understand what I mean about time zones because I said to you, no, you have to tell me exactly what time it is where yeah. I am that you're ringing me because I am in so many different places that I don't even bother anymore. I just tell people where I am and say, okay, tell me what time I have to do this because <laughs> I don't want to have to understand the Eastern Standard Time and everything else. It's just too confusing. Every time I get on a plane, it's a different time zone. Yes. No, it would be. So it was very smart of you to just ask me that question. And um, and I'm so grateful that we finally connected. This has been a long, well-awaited interview, chat, conversation with you. And, you know, so why don't we dispel some of perhaps what the myths are? You know, I think it's really important because I've had many guests on my show who are in the public eye uh, who hold similar rigorous schedules such as yourself and you know clearly they wouldn't be doing it if there wasn't a genuine passion there or there wasn't a genuine message that they chose to impart to the rest of the world or to put a face on something or change people's perception or ideologies regarding whatever it is they're endeavoring to do so but in terms of the reality of the grind and as you say eight ten hours ongoingly being in the air flying airports time zones you know does this become not fun after a while? Does this become, you know, do you have moments where you ponder to yourself or, or Madeline says, you know, I just need a day off. I can't do this anymore. I'm always on. Or why do we have to keep doing this? <laughs> I have to laugh because I so wish my daughter would say that. <laughs> if only she'd say, Mom, no, not today. But no, every morning she wakes up and asks me what we're doing. And then before we go to bed at night, she tells me what I'm doing the next day. So, yes, I would so love my daughter to say, oh, yeah, we're having a day off, Mum. I'd be like, yeah, let's go to the spa. But no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I have a daughter that unfortunately is exactly the same as I was when I was 19. And it means that she wants to do 28 hours of stuff in a 24-hour period. And it just it, it just doesn't work, There's, you know. It's it's full on, and I'm getting old, and that's what people say to me. Oh, you know, you're pushing Madeline. I'm like, are you kidding me? This child is exhausting me. I'm going to have grey hairs and die early. I'm so tired. I'm I'm not 20 anymore. But you know, she loves it. But you know, she loves it. I mean, she truly loves it. Um, she tells me every day. Well, she's been telling me every day for the last since last September when she did New York Fashion Week that she wants to come back to New York. And this morning we were having a conversation and I always thought it was New York she loved. And she does love New York. She wants to be here. But she was relating New York to modeling, so to catwalking. Yeah. And I said to her that we're going to Boston to do a catwalk. And I finally realized that when she was saying she wanted to go to New York, it was that she wanted to do the catwalk. And I said, do you mean you want to do the catwalk? She said, yeah. I said, okay, well, that's okay then. Because I had this huge... <laughs> 
weight on my head that, or on my heart, I should say, that if she didn't walk at New York anymore, I was going to break her heart. But she just wants to be on that catwalk, which is okay because, you know, when we, I might just set up a catwalk at home and have a couple of weeks off and just let her do that every day, <laughs> do some practice or something. But, um, no, she loves it. She truly loves it. I mean, we go home every five to six weeks because she needs to go home and see her friends and do some dancing because she has a dance company back home and do her, go to the gym because we do put on weight while we're flying all the time. And I like to go home for at least two weeks. Well, we don't usually get to go home for two weeks. Last time was eight days. But we try to get home to you know, the gym every day, get a little bit fitter again, doesn't lose her muscle tone and things like that. But... Um, we are constantly on the road, and within two days of getting home, she tells me she wants to get on a plane and get and leave. So, no, I can't see this stopping anytime soon. And if it does, and she says she doesn't want to do it anymore, well, I'm okay with that completely. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, Amazing. it would be, I thought I would get to my age and I would retire from my company as a building surveyor because I worked 15 hours a day as a building surveyor. And I thought, great, I'm going to work so hard, and then when I'm, you know, I get to a certain age, I'm going to retire, and it's going to be great. Well, I retired from that, and now I'm working twice as hard with Madeline. So it didn't happen. So, but with me, it's a passion. It's it's. Um, when I had Madeline, I was very isolated. There wasn't a lot of social media. There wasn't anything that I could sort of reach other people, and I was at home on my own. She was very sick. She'd had open-heart surgery. You know, we couldn't go near people because of her low immune system and I got very depressed I mean I was it's hard to say it but I was suicidal depressed you know I didn't think there was going to be light at the end of that tunnel and the only thing that kept me going was the fact that this little girl had no one to raise her if I didn't and I cried a lot and it was horrible and I felt so isolated and to me I don't want anyone on the planet to feel isolated. I don't want anyone to have that crushing weight on top of them. Whether And anyone that has depression or feels isolated can relate to what I'm saying. It's, it's just the most horrible feeling. It's suffocating. And if I can reach out to the parents who have children with special needs or the people that have been bullied or anyone that feels alone because of social media, and we have so many people contact us every day, heartbreaking things that come through the internet. I had a lady ring, send an email the other day to say thank you, and she said that her husband's brother, who had Down syndrome, had passed away. And since he passed away, sorry, I get a little emotional when I talk about these things. Yeah. Um, their life has been very empty. And looking at Madeline's social media every day puts a smile on their face. Lovely. Now we get emails like that every day, and mm-hmm. to me, it's not about the modelling. I mean. Almost the modeling is a completely different world than the charity, which is my whole passion is the charity. It's like I want to give everyone my heart and I want to help everyone. And then Madeline does the fashion scene, which is all about completely opposite things. So it's a, it's a, it's a fine line to walk. But without the modeling, modeling, we don't have the platform to reach the people that really need us. I and to me, that. you know, that's what it's about. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you very much, Roseanne, for being very raw and candid and vulnerable um, because, again, not unlike many discussions that come about with my guests, you know, there's no coincidence that the people who have aspired to be where they are with whatever it is they're endeavoring to do, whether they be professional musicians, whether they be some form of artist, whether they be an author, whatever it is that they do, 
uh, that feeds their soul and is another way of contributing, paying forward, uh, paying it back, being of service to other people. You know, most of my guests have uh, at least shared with me and my listeners that there's been something dark uh, something life transforming that has happened for them when they have felt similar to what you have expressed, truly isolated, you know, have lacked infrastructure of support or because of what it is that they've gone through, regardless of the similarities of other people, perhaps being able to share in the commonality of that, everybody's pain, everybody's joy, everything that we go through in our lives is so individualistic and it's so unique to us. And, um, you know, as a result of being in what we call the shits, you know, it's, you know, you have to get very clear on what direction you're going in. And particularly when you're a parent, you know, we're not afforded the luxury of staying stuck for too long. You know, we've got to figure out, you know, what tools we need to access from our toolbox, who we need to immerse ourselves in, where we derive our positivity and our inner strength from to get us back on track. And not just to get back on track to survive, but to take it to a level where we actually flourish. Because I do believe it's our birthright to live a happy, joy-filled life. And clearly, you have beautifully uh, turned the ship around for yourself and your daughter. And the ways in which, as you've just recited to us, the testimonials, uh, you know, people sharing and reaching out to you on a daily basis to say, you know, what you're doing, how you're doing it, or something I read really resonated with me. It tweaked, and it got me back on track. It brightened my day. It elevated my spirits. So um, I'm so glad that you have uh, received the reception that you have. Uh, I'm just one of millions of people who are on that uh, bandwagon of embracing what it is you and your daughter are doing. Um, you know, I've worked in the isms all my life, people who have been disenfranchised, people who have been differently abled, people who have gone through abuse, people who have gone through addiction, hell. And, uh, you know, it's really nice to see that there are, in fact, success stories, that there are people who are now truly happy and fulfilled and content and honoring themselves. And uh, so what an ambassador you both are to the cause. Thank you so much for everything you do. Oh, thank you. That's so lovely. You know, I think that when people do feel alone or they feel depressed, I think the best thing they can possibly do is do charity work because it's the most selfless thing, but also the most selfish thing because it makes you feel so good about yourself. Yes. So you're helping others. You know, it doesn't cost anything, but it is such a self-esteem booster. I know Madeline has completely changed my world. I mean... People, we did a photo shoot yesterday, and the people at the photo shoot came up to me, they were mothers, and they said, you're an amazing mother. I said, no, no, I'm just a mother. They said, no, no, you're truly an amazing mother. And I said, yeah, but I wasn't before I had my daughter. She has made me the person I am, and I'm so grateful to her for that because she showed me and taught me what was truly important. And I don't think I would be a good person if it wasn't for me giving birth to my daughter. Madeline um, touches everyone around her, everyone that meets her, they connect with her and they tell me how beautiful she is because she just is a really beautiful soul and I feel so blessed to have her. Absolutely. Well, you're doing a phenomenal job and I would take the compliment for what it is because, you know, it's hard enough just being a parent. It's hard enough being a parent with special needs. It's hard enough throw in the mix your global platform. And so good on you. And I often do say too, as a, as a single parent, I have my own struggles uh, to two young children, and uh, 
that our children are our greatest teachers. I learned so much from my kids. And uh, I, I totally get what you're saying. You're speaking to me clearly here. It's resonating with me 100%. And, you know, one of the things, one of the greatest experiences that I've had, and you can probably attest to this too, um, Roseanne, is when I lived with my, I don't like to say the word clients, but I was a living manager for four individuals with special needs for three and a half years, and I had 40 hours of staffing per week. And one of the clients that I did have, uh, she truly became family to me, and she's now since passed on. Um, but she really was my greatest teacher in preparing me for parenthood and uh, and what it was years later to be a mom. And she was so – she had Down syndrome. Her name was Joyce, and she was immensely grateful for the littlest things. She loved to go to McDonald's. Oh, yes. You know, she loved the Happy Meal. Uh, she loved to color. She loved to knit. She loved to do puzzles. And she was always grateful for the simplest things, you know, giving her a bath in the morning or helping her sort out through what she wanted to wear that day uh, or taking her to a party or taking her anywhere. I have never encountered such a beautiful, blessed, grateful heart. Um, you know, she was grateful for the simplest things that most of us on a regular basis would oftentimes take for granted. Um, so, yeah, salt of the earth, people. Absolutely. Well, you, and that's exactly right. Like people say to me, you do so much for Madeline. And I say, yeah, but she says thank you all the time. I'll drive her to the gym and she'll pick my hand up on the way to the gym and she'll kiss the back of my hand and she'll say thank you. You know, yes. I'll take her to the shops or I'll, I'll even just cook her dinner and she says thank you to me. And yes. I have so many of my friends and their kids don't have disabilities. And we'll sit at the kitchen table and have dinner and no one will thank their parents for dinner except mm -hmm. for my daughter. She will turn around to the mother and say thank you for dinner. And when someone is grateful to you and makes you feel like what you're doing is changing their life or making them feel happier, then it's all worthwhile, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So as the mother and manager of Madeline, from the inception of this journey to where you both are together in this journey, what have you seen shift within your daughter? What's changed for her spiritually, energetically? Uh, what 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 growth have you noticed in her? Okay, I have to put this in two parts. First part is I'm actually not her manager anymore. Which oh. you haven't, I, you, this has only happened very, very recently. I'm still her on-road manager as far as I'm still doing everything on the road. But okay. I actually had to bring another manager in. His name is Jason because it became very emotional for me. And as I said, um, I did have dark times a long time ago. And doing that, I always make sure I now have a positive life. And I found that with Madeline, because she has a disability, people discriminate. And they don't feel they need to pay Madeline because she has Down syndrome. Even though yeah. she has hundreds of, three quarters of a million followers on social media, the big companies don't look at her seriously. And um, we are working so hard to try to get Madeline um, to be financial enough so this journey doesn't cost me money. But there was a lot of people out there that we would approach um, and they would say, oh, yes, she's beautiful, but that's as far as it went. And it became very hard for me because I was starting to argue about money over my daughter. So right. I brought a manager in, and he is now doing that whole side of things, and he's trying to make her financially even on a level platform at the moment because this her journey has cost me a lot of money financially because I believe that funding her is the same as giving my money to charity because we're helping people. So yes. 
that's the first side of it. So he's actually managing her financially now and booking things and trying to get her solid contracts with some big companies. But going back to how Madeline is, um, it was so funny because I just did this disability cruise and on it we did some workshops. And in the last 14 months, I've seen Madeline grow so much. I mean, she was always loving and she was always caring and considerate and always very social. You know, she'd do cheerleading and everything and she'd never batter an eyelid performing in front of 5,000 people. But but in the last in the last 15 months, well, even it didn't really start until about seven months ago, I saw a different her. I mean, she was talking more. She was um, talking about things that I didn't even know she understood. And, and I've realized she understands everything. Mm-hmm. And when I was on this cruise, they were talking about the brain and exercise and how when we exercise, instead of just using a little bit of our brain, we start using most of it. And I thought about that and I thought, well, you know what, since she's been on the road and also since she's been going to see a personal um, a, a, P, a personal trainer every day, a PT, she's doing an hour of exercise every day and this is making her brain um, ignite basically. So they said to me on this cruise, sometimes it's more economical to pay a PT for an hour every day than to pay for a speech therapist or something like that because this is making your brain work so much more. So my daughter has gone from Madeline to Super Madeline and also Super Energetic Madeline, which I'm so happy about. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful, fantastic. And so if if you were to ask Madeline, and I'm sure you have this conversation, you know, what she envisions, what more she may want or what's important to her that she has yet to endeavor in terms of linking that with her passions – is there anything unaccomplished for her at this point that she is really setting her intentions to accomplish or to aspire to do? Madeline, um, I suppose being raised by me, we don't really look too far into the future. I mean, Madeline has three holes in a heart and a leaky valve. And you hear stories all the time about people who have Down syndrome that get a blood disorder or something and just pass away. And it's something we have to live with all the time, you know. Every year when it's her birthday, I celebrate the fact that she's lived another year. I mean, she could live till she's 90, but it's in the back of your mind all the time. You know, there's so many, so the high percentage of getting leukemia or something like that is 100 times more common and things like that. It's, when you have Down syndrome, you are more susceptible to being sick. So... I've never lived in the future. I mean, up until the last... I still don't book holidays six months in advance. I mean, I find a day that I've got free and we'll go away for the weekend. I never book things a long way down the track. I mean, we have. I've learned to book work that is three or six months ahead of time. But um, she has been raised by me. So she's similar to me. She doesn't think about what's going to happen in six months. Madeline's really a right-now person. What Lovely. she wants to do is she wants to keep modeling. She wants to keep meeting people. I mean, that is Madeline's true passion. The mm-hmm. catwalk is her passion, but meeting people and making friends. Um, she tells me every day she's going to be, meet new boys and new girls and she's going to make new friends. And that's what it's about to her. It's really about love and that connection. And that's what she's taught me. It's not about the fancy car or the fancy house or, Absolutely. you know, flying to Paris. It's about connections. And I actually said this to a lady yesterday. People are just friends we haven't met yet. And that's how we live our life. I love and that. So, so I think that's where her passion is. She just wants to keep meeting people and touching people and helping people and making connections. And I just think that if we do it that way, there's not a lot of pressure either. Beautiful. I love that. And 
for all the people that Madeline has met, for all the people that she's interacted with, dialogued with, uh, interviewed with, um, has there been one particular person or one particular moment within her career where it continues to stand out in her mind either, and that would be indicative either through the fact that she continues to talk about it or reminisce about it or wants to revisit it? Um, is there, has there been one experience in particular, one person, one event that continues to just light her spirit on fire? Yes, and that would be September Fashion Week last year. Um, September Fashion Week last year was in the Vanderbilt Hall at the um, Central Station in New York, and it was an amazing fashion show. I mean, it was bigger than any fashion show I'd ever been to, and she's modeled a lot of fashion shows now. And for her, that's what she continually talks about, and it's the photos she continuously goes back and tells me she wants to do again. She just had the most amazing experience, and I suppose it was her first real experience. But also for me, it was an amazing experience because, the doctors told me she had Down syndrome before I even met her. So I've always lived with that. I've never actually looked at my daughter without having a disability, you know. Not that it bothers me. I mean, I love the fact that she has a disability. I feel blessed that I have this connection with someone who's never going to leave me. And I know that sounds very selfish, but I'm sorry, that's me. <laughs> and um, But that moment when she walked down that catwalk last September and everyone stood and cheered and gave her high fives, it was the first time I ever experienced no discrimination at all it was the most amazing experience i'd ever 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 felt and to her the connection with her and i being so relaxed and it was just so empowering and i hope that she gets to do that again i really do i hope she gets to walk catwalks in tokyo and milan and paris and really in london i don't know if she will um Mm -hmm. because you know they are still very um stuck in their ways about what is and isn't going to happen in those areas. But we'll mm-hmm. see what happens. I mean, I hope it does change it and she gets to have more moments that will resonate with her for a long time. Well, I wish that for her too, and I have no doubt that that will eventually unfold for the two of you. Um, so as we've kind of touched upon indirectly, uh, you know, people times people oftentimes they assume or presume that because you're in the public eye and you're surrounded by people all the time uh, and your schedule is very much attached to interfacing with the public uh, sometimes what people don't understand is that it can be a very lonely very isolating experience so who who are your mentors what's your infrastructure of personal support look like for you people who knew you have legitimate bonds and connections and relationships to you before this all uh, blossomed and took off in the direction that it did. Who who grounds you in your life that offers you unconditional support? My daughter. Okay. I know that sounds so silly because it's just the two of us, but she does. I mean, you know, when I'm down, all I need is a hug from her. I mean, she has connections back home. She talks to her boyfriend, Robbie, nearly every day. And, and her best friend, Jamie Lee. So that's her connections. Um, she's got other friends that she talks to that we've met along the way that she has connections with. I'm a little bit of a loner. Um, I think working as a building today and running my company for the last 16 years and working, like, seriously 15 hours a day, mm-hmm. I have friends, but I've never been able to... I'm not one of those women that goes out and have coffee and things like that and my girlfriends learned that they couldn't ring me during the day to have a chat because I was always waiting for phone calls from clients because I was Mm -hmm. so busy with my company 
So I just learned to be a bit of a learner. And I suppose, like I was saying before, my daughter does supply me with 100% of the emotional need that I have. I, It's just her and I, really. Um, she has other people as well as me, which is really great. But I am always working. I don't really have time. And if I do have an afternoon off when I'm back home, I have a Thursday afternoon off once a week. And I go to the movies and go to dinner completely on my own and really relish the quiet. Lovely. <laughs> Selfie. No, I understand so, that. Yeah. Absolutely. I, get, and so, I go to the same restaurant every week and they look at me and think, oh, yeah, she's back on her own again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand that. Sometimes you just need to shut it all down, turn it all off, and just be in the moment because uh, – you come to realize how precious your quiet alone time is. And for people who feel comfortable in their own skin, uh, for people who do need to be still and, uh, and you know, decompress and not be overly stimulated all the time, it is. It's, uh, you're preaching to the preacher here. I so get what you're saying right now um, on a different scale. Sorry, I actually do have a lot of support from her manager back home. I give him hell because I can be emotional. I send him a really emotional email when someone's upset me or someone said something that's discriminatory. And the poor guy has to deal with me all the time. Um, and he's pretty level. Um, but that would be my support apart from Madeline, um, just to go back to who my support is, because he's been in the industry for 19 years and he looks at things very logically and I am very emotional. So poor guy has to tolerate me. <laughs> I'm sure he does it lovingly, willingly, and voluntarily, so I wouldn't worry about that. You know, it's important that we don't see ourselves as a burden on people. I mean, you know, because if it was him turning to you, you would in a heartbeat be there for him. So we sometimes forget that we need to look upon ourselves, regard ourselves, treat ourselves as we would somebody else who we claim to love and care about, right? Well, you know, that's exactly right. Someone said to me once, Roseanne, why don't you let people help you? And I said, I don't want to be a burden. He said to me, how do you feel when someone asks you for help? I said, I feel great that I can help other people. He said, why do you want to deny other people the same pleasure? And that's when I learned to let people in. Absolutely, because it is a gift. You know, just as you mentioned and cited earlier in the the top of the hour, bottom of the hour there about – you know, the charity work or volunteering, you know, as much as it's considered to be a selfless act, in many ways it's selfish because of what we derive out of it that really lifts our soul, that really brightens our spirit and knows that we've made, we know that we've made a difference in somebody else's life. Uh, so, yeah, we do need to, uh, we do need to entitle other people of the same gift and privileges that we are also on the receiving end of that makes us feel good, Right. That's exactly true. So, I you're a very insightful woman. You should have a radio station, <laughs> Lisa. <laughs> you're funny. Well, you know, it's. Uh, I, I think authenticity is birthed out of people who have really had to figure some of their own hardships out. And, um, you know, as somebody who, prior to doing what I now do with radio, being a speaker, being a mentor, being a coach, once upon a time I was in social services in crisis management for 25 years. And so when you see people who are completely raw, who are completely vulnerable, uh, who are directionless and have a whole plethora of needs uh, that you need to fill or to guide and navigate them in the right direction to get the help that they generally need outside of what you yourself can perhaps offer them. Uh, And never mind, you know, what we all go through in our own personal lives that, uh, 
leads us on the path of what we do. Again, it's it's the tapestry of our lives. There's no coincidence to that. Uh, you know, and it's it's only as a result of the hindsight 2020. When you look back, you can make sense of the roadmap of your life that's put you currently where you are today. It all makes sense. We just don't get it while we're trying to get through it. So oh, that's exactly right. So I understand that you and Madeline are a package deal. I understand that she's your greatest source of support and that, you know, she's your teacher and, you know, you derive so much from her. Um, you know, so if we were kind of equating or paralleling this with two identical twins, you know, and knowing that you're very tapped into each other's thoughts, uh, each other's energy, each other's moods, feelings, if you kind of had to sever that a little bit and have Roseanne on one side and Madeline on the other side, who's Roseanne without Madeline? Oh, our relationship is very unhealthy. <laughs> I can tell you that right now is most carers are. I mean, I'm a carer as well as a parent, but um, I think that's why in the disability services they like to rotate carers every year or something like that because relationships can become very unhealthy. And, um, yeah, I I mean, I think Madeline would be okay without me, and but I don't know how I'd be without her, you know. Um, I think I'd be lost. Uh, I don't know what I would do without her, which is very unhealthy. I know that. Um, but, you know, that's a choice I've made and I'm just going to take and be happy in the moment. Um, I think about this quite a lot, you know. I think about this and people say, you know, how are you going to cope? And I'm like, if something happens to Madeline, it's going to be devastating. But it's going to be devastating anyway. There's nothing I can do. I mean, even if I had a 1,000 friends and I spent all my time with them, if something happened to my daughter, it's still going to be devastating. You know, it may be more devastating because of our relationship. But, you know, I survived my father dying and I survived raising a child with a disability on my own and running a company and being alone for 19 years. I mean, I'm a pretty strong person. I can be a bit of a hard-ass sometimes. And, you know, well, you know, I am. I can be really hard, you know, Mm -hmm. and I've learned that things carry on. That's what I say to people. You know, when you're depressed and you lay in your bed, your friends ring the first day and they ring the second day and they ring the first week. But eventually the only person on this planet that can help you is yourself. And that's why I say I'm a bit of a loner because I don't rely on anyone because when you rely on people, unfortunately, even if they don't mean to, they can let you down. You know, they don't mean to let you down, but they, you know, they can and it hurts. And I suppose I've put this big crust around me to protect myself. But, you know, I am truly happy. I don't just think I'm happy. I am truly happy. The people around me say I'm always happy and smiling and laughing. I mean, I have my moments when I'm exhausted and tired and I have tears and hormones. But, mm-hmm. you know, it is uh, isn't true. To be honest, it's a very unhealthy relationship, but I'm happy with it, <laughs> if I can say that. Absolutely. And and please know there's no judgment attached to my questions. I'm just all about authenticity and getting to the truth of the guests that I have on radio to find out what makes them tick. Absolutely. Yes. So alternatively, let me flip that and ask you, and this comes from uh, something I was asked to do way back in the day when I worked for this agency where I, I, as I mentioned, looked after for three and a half years, I lived with uh, four clients. And we had spearheaded uh, an initiative. So it was called GROWL, which was an acronym for Growing Restless on the Waiting List, because there were many people uh, whose 
children with Down syndrome and various forms of being differently abled who were still living with their aged parents. And one parent would, you know, pass on and then it became insurmountable in some cases, depending on the needs of the child, for that parent not to burn out. And so there was a big cry in the public for politicians to get on board with releasing funds to build up certain models of homes to uh, ensure and provide peace of mind for these aged parents, knowing one day they were not going to be there to be the primary caregiver to their uh, child, that there would be a safe place to go. And so you've touched upon what you would be like if Madeline wasn't here. And this is a very personal question, which you may not feel comfortable answering, which I totally respect. If something happens to you, what happens to Madeline? How does how, not only just from a parental standpoint or a caregiver standpoint, but in terms of the ongoing legacy of her career? What happens with that if you feel so comfortable? Well, yeah, that's why I did bring a manager in. Also, I mean, that's an emotional side of things. That um, I mean, it all came into the fact that there was a lot of weight on me, and that was another reason I um, brought a manager in. She has some very close people in our lives that would support her. Her best friend, um, who is 18, who doesn't have a disability, um, has been best friends since they were five and seven and um, would step up and be with her and travel with her and things like that. Madeline, I mean, would miss me. I know that. I mean, but she um, is a survivor. I mean, we running a company and having staff and things like that, all her life, she's had people come and go in her life. And I know I am her rock, and mm -hmm. I know that she would be devastated without me, but I know she would go on. I mean, we, I have a friend back home, and it's so funny because we all do the same thing with our kids at some stage. We pretend there's something wrong with us to see how they will react. And I did it with Maddie a while ago, and she actually picked up the phone and rang triple zero because that's the number in Australia. So I was so impressed that she did that. Um, I actually grabbed the phone before she did it, but... You know, and my, my other girlfriend, she said that one day her daughter came into the bedroom and she pretended she was dead. And her daughter, who had lost her father um, some a couple of years earlier, the mother had said, well, you know, he's passed away. He's gone to heaven now. And that's what happens. We just have to deal with it. So she came in and she said to her mum, tried to wake her mum up and she couldn't. And she said, oh, well, that's what happens when you turn the television on. <laughs> <laughs> she had Down syndrome too, and this little girl, she's so beautiful and so amazing. And her mother is older, and uh -huh. she worries about what's going to happen to her daughter. But look, Madeline is set. I mean, I've made sure that um, I have life insurance. I have a company back home. I mean, financially, Madeline's going to be fine. Madeline always already has her own house. I gave her a house for her 16th birthday. It's on my block of land. I have 102 acres back in Brisbane, and we've actually started a charity called Maddie's Place. And when we get more time, we will set it up and it's going to be um, an organic horticultural vegetable garden that's going to sell organic vegetable vegetables to the restaurants around Brisbane. You know, it's organic vegetables grown by people with disabilities, saving the world one box at a time sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, she's going to have that as a business, but it's also going to be a school camp and it's going to, be, it's going to have art workshops there and dance workshops there. 
so that will be her legacy. I had started that before her modelling started because I didn't want her to sit down and watch telly every day when she finished school. I wanted her to have a life. So I bought a property and I was setting it up so she could be the receptionist and meet and greet and show people around and eventually we will have other people living there and it'll be like a respite centre. So Madeline will have that and there's a board involved. So she's going to be okay. You know, she will miss me, but she will be okay. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't want anything to happen. I've decided that as long as I live till I'm 96, she will be in her 70s and we'll be fine. We're going to go at the same time. It's all sorted in my head. I've planned it all, even, you know, how we're going to be positioned in the coffin and everything. We're going to be okay. She's going to live till she's 70. I'm going to live till I'm 90. We're all good, okay? Positive thinking. You know what they say? What you think is what will happen. Well, that's very true, and I talk about that quite often. Action follows thought, and knowing that we have a choice in what we choose to think about on a daily basis from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed, if you know that those two choices err on the side of either positivity or negativity for the type of life one says they want to live and they don't want to be conflicted all the time and they don't want to be living in a state of struggle and stress and de- and distress, you know, then you've got to, you've got to shift your mindset, and everything else then aligns. Um, so yeah, so we're going to be fine. I'm going to be really exhausted, but I'll be 90 and I'll be just ready to die because I want to have a sleep. <laughs> we all have time to sleep later, right? That's exactly what I say. You know, you can plenty of time to sleep when you're dead. So I'll be willing and waiting for it. I can assure you when I'm 90, I'll be like, yeah, it's time for rest. Well, I'll come join you then. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. We can have very insightful conversations. I know we get along very well. Absolutely. Well, I already feel the the vibe. Uh, you know, you can't fake that stuff. So um, I, this is probably not because of the platform base that you and Madeline are attached to. This is probably one of my most genuine interviews that I've ever had, and probably because it speaks to a lot of what I chose to do in my former career that resonated with me on the heart level. And um, so it's really nice to come full circle here. This is taking me back to a lot of wonderful times in my career, in my life. And again, as I mentioned, Joyce, uh, Down syndrome as well, uh, she truly taught me so much in preparation for where I am now in raising my children and what it is to just be a grateful human being and to not take anything for granted. Um, so this is just lovely. This You're giving me a gift here today. So thank you, Roseanne. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, it's been wonderful, and I'm so sorry that it took me so long to get to talk to you. No, listen, another thing I always say that I truly believe in, timing is everything. You know, this might not have been the same interview if we had actually connected beforehand. Uh, So I believe things unravel and show up when they're meant to. I'm just grateful for the fact that it actually came to fruition and that I got to enjoy this lovely opportunity to speak with you and to find out more about not just Madeline, but about you. I think you're a very stellar human being and you've got a heart of gold and there's no doubt uh, and there's no disputing. You are a fantastic, phenomenal parent. Uh, truly you are. Truly you are. And I think that... I believe that. Yes, I, that's, I can actually say that. I, I believe I'm a good parent. Not so great in relationships and not so great of a friend all the time, but I'm a really good parent. Well, that's okay. You've got your priorities straight. Children always come first. 
So unfortunately, we're we're approaching the bottom of the hour here. Uh, It always goes way too fast for my liking. And perhaps down the road, if you feel so inclined, we bring you back on and we talk about further updates that have transpired from the time of this interview to fast forward to whenever that time may in fact be. Uh, I'll leave that completely up to you. Um, No, I'd love to. I'd love to. Fantastic. So I certainly wish Madeline a recovery with the flu. I wish you all the best with safe traveling and all that you're up against with the grind of scheduling and all the talking that you will have to be doing and all the performing and being on. Uh, Just make sure that you take care of yourself um, because, you know, you're very important in your own right, Roseanne. And I know self-care these days can seem more like a privilege than a necessity. Um, So I just want to say... I think you're fantastic. I thank you both for the gift of your time. Love what you're doing out there in the world, the the message that you're spreading, the face that you're putting to the message. Uh, Love and gratitude to you both. And I want to say thank you once again to my listeners for tuning into my weekly show, Carpe Diem. I'm your host, Lisa McDonald, with the Contact Talk Radio Network. If anybody wishes to reach out to me, connect with me, suggest any perhaps guests that you might like to see appear on the show, whether that be you yourself... Oh. Hey, Madeline. <laughs> her, her, um, her YouTube just broke. She's not happy about that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Mommy's I, think, I think they're telling us to get out of the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll let you can I give Maddie a Can I give Maddie a plug before we go? Please do. So if anyone wants to follow Maddie on Facebook, it's just Madeline Stewart, S-T-U-A-R-T. Don't worry about the fake accounts. Just look for the one with the blue tick. And on Instagram, it's Madeline's Modeling. So follow her. She would love it. And please contact us. And if anyone out there wants to send her a contract to get her to do some work, we'd love to receive that also. Yay! Well, not to worry. I'm going to be sending you the podcast after the show. And once I ramp it up, I was going to attach contact information. And I've already put up the public figure page that people can view because my settings are all public. And I have a pretty huge base, too. So, yes, thank you for giving me, uh, reminding me to give you the opportunity to do that. That's very important. Uh, So I just want to wish you both my very best. Thank you to listeners. I wish everyone a phenomenal day. Be safe. Be well. Be you. Love and gratitude to all. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye, Madeline. You've been listening to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.